0: Good to see you guys. Thanks for being here tonight. I love got this whole long row of, of men right here. Maybe that doesn't happen every week. I just feel like it's a long row. Uh, there's a couple college freshmen, Oasis alum that are here tonight that I am very excited to see. Some gentlemen right out here in front. And uh, who are we missing? Mitch. Mitch is eh, not too far away. Yeah, week two of stepping up. Um, so we started this last week. Here's the obvious question when it comes to this series um, that I was just sort of thinking about. Like, who doesn't want to do this? I mean, who doesn't want to step up in life? So the problem is, we go, yeah, okay, stepping up, but like, does anybody want the opposite of that? I mean, does anybody sort of go, you know what? Like, I just want to be average. So forget stepping up. Like, you know, when I grow up, um, I want to strive for the minimum. I just want to strive for like the bare minimum. I want an easy life. And again, maybe we go, some of you probably go, that doesn't sound too bad. I want to be the kind of person who runs from challenges instead of engaging with them. Um, Now, again, I mean, so none of us say that. Now, again, there's plenty of times where we maybe go, no, that sort of sounds good, like bare minimum, I want an easy life, I want the American dream, I want a, you know, nice house, white picket fence. Um, But I don't think that's like the gut reaction. I don't think we just want to be like average, right? Nobody steps out, even if at times you think that's just within you, like you don't have the energy to do whatever you're called to do even right now, homework or a, a test you have tomorrow or something. But for the most part, like, we really want to be, like, be somebody. We want to step up to things. And so I feel like we do this series, but maybe everyone sort of goes, well, duh, like, yes, we need to step up. We want to be people who step up when opportunity knocks, when, when things come our way. When, when somebody asks you to do something, you hope your answer isn't always no. Now, there's plenty of times again. Students, you need to maybe hear me say that. There's times where you need to learn and practice saying no to things. You're engaged in way too stuff, but you should say no to things only when you're like way overcommitted already, and you're doing plenty of good things and necessary things. And so something else comes along, and you just you need to practice saying no at times. Some of you are way overcommitted, or you'll find that you are in two years. I think of some of these guys in college they're probably way way too busy, but maybe they can't help it. But if you're like, well, I only got eight hours of sleep last night, or I am going to get, I really need 11 hours of sleep, so no, I can't come help you do that thing in the morning, you're just being lazy. Um, but here's the thing, for, here's, for followers of Jesus, this sort of like even s- steps it up a notch, right? There's sort of this, this extra layer. For those of us who are Christians, for those who call ourselves Christ followers, not only should we just want to step up, but we want to step up and join in with God's plan for our life, because God's sort of a part of this. We talked about last week, we factored God into the report, and so we want to be a part of God's plan in the world, and God's plan for us, and so um, that's that, but the problem is there's, there's just times that you will face, not just four years from now, not just four years from now, but like now, in high school, that are the complete opposite of this. Things are thrown your way, and it will make you want to do the opposite of this. They will make you want to step back. For some of you in here, some opportunities, some decisions, something will come your way, between now and the end of the school year. And you'll go, I don't wanna step up to that. Uh, I don't have the energy for that, I just can't. And so a lot of students do just that in high school. We step back from decisions that that you could make that you maybe should be making. And so that's what this whole series is about. How can we become the kind of person who steps up? Not just like amps up and does every once in a while, but how can you become the kind of person who just steps up in life? to the glory of God, and because of just you want to honor God, and not that you want to make a name for yourself, but again, for the sake of like, I'm a Christian, I want to lead, I want to be an example in our world. So last week, as I said, we began following the life of Joshua in the Bible, we talked about how Joshua and Caleb stepped up um, when they were spying out the land, um, when they factored God into the report, that the tenor spies were like, there's no way, there's giants in the land, we can't do it, and Joshua and Caleb alone were like, no, let's go for it, because God is on our side, and so today we're going to fast forward a little bit. Um, later in Joshua's life, he's a bitter at this point to another pivotal moment. Now, at first glance, this is not going to seem huge for Joshua. As you start reading this, you maybe go, "This, this doesn't seem like a big deal." But to Joshua, this was absolutely hu- huge. We see the baton passed here from Moses to Joshua. So, if you have a if you have a Bible, um, a Bible app, open the app on your phone. I think many of you use the app. You can switch from Instagram over to the Bible. I'm just kidding. But seriously, no, but um, turn to Deuteronomy. This is the last chapter, Deuteronomy 34, before we enter the book uh, called Joshua, the story of Joshua. But so the last chapter, Deuteronomy 34, I'm going to read uh, most of this chapter, verse 1, and then verses 4 through 12. So here's what we see. This is sort of the, this is the transition here. Verse 1, Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. There the Lord shor- showed him the whole land, from Gilead to Dan. Let's get down to verse 4. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. As the Lord had said, he buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not weak and his strength, or nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all these signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and all his officials in his whole land, for no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. So Moses dies. Now, Moses was a big deal. Moses was kind of a big deal. He's, when you think of even like great characters or great men in the Bible, um, man, Moses, like numerous times, you guys, in these first five books of the Bible and the Torah, um, it refers to Moses speaking to God face to face. In the book of, uh, uh Exodus, I think chapter 33, it says God spoke to Moses face-to-face as someone talks to a friend. Um, And in Numbers, I think 12, so God speaks to Moses face-to-face, not in riddles. Like sometimes we're like, God, I feel like if you're speaking to me at all, you speak to me in riddles. But Moses was like, he was extremely close to God. And of course, he faced off against Pharaoh. He led God's people out of slavery in Egypt. He was there all through the wandering in the desert. If you think back to the very beginning of Moses' life, he was raised in Egypt sort of found out who he was. Remember, he killed the Egyptian, and then they found out, so he fled, came back, delivered the Israel. I mean, he has this amazing life. He was the hero for the people of Israel because he had led them that entire time out of Egypt toward the promised land. And now within sight of the promised land, because of actually a simple act of disobedience, if you read earlier in the Torah, um, God says, you're not going into the land. I'm going to let you see it but you're not going in. And so who's in line to take his place? It's Joshua. Right? As I said last week, Joshua had been Moses' aide, sort of his assistant since the time he was young. And now he's the guy who's supposed to take over the leadership role. And like you and me probably would be, there's probably one sort of question rattling around in Joshua's brain. Or just thought, like, God, really me? Like, who Who me, God? I'm supposed to take Mo- like Moses' place? Moses God, part of the Red Sea. I'm just a normal dude. I'm just an average guy. I was his aide. I was like his, I was his assistant. I was Moses' intern. I'm nobody, right? Like, not, no offense, Tyler or Hannah, I didn't mean that, but uh, I'm just his aide. Like, who am I, God? I can't fill this guy's shoes, God, really? Have you ever had one of those moments? There will probably come a time where you will have a, a who me sort of moment where God's maybe tr- calling you somewhere. You just can't shake the sense of, what God's asking you to do or someone he's asking you to talk to maybe you know maybe there's many times we're so timid and fearful about sharing our faith but maybe you somehow feel a strong prompting that God's like you Janie Barber you really need to talk to so-and-so about your faith in Christ like God really me surely somebody else will do that surely like I hear God Jesus appears to people in dreams now like do I really have to share my faith like there would be some other way I was recently uh, listening to a podcast, this pastor's podcast, and this pastor was talking to a professional consultant, a guy who works um, really not in the church world, but with uh, a lot of successful businesses and organizations. His job is to help them perform at higher levels. Um, anyway, and he's taken some of some this quite a ways. And this host, the, the pastor asked him, what would you tell young people about how they can be ready to lead and face challenges in life? And here's what he said. The guy said, the number one piece of advice I'd give them is to answer the question, who are you? To answer the question, who are you or who am I? He said, he said, back in the day, some people um, used to have an adjective that went with their name. Uh, guys like Alexander the Great, you've all heard of Alexander, Alexander the Great. Um, anybody actually know, what did Alexander the Great do? I didn't do research on this. What, somebody? I'm just hearing mumbling. I'm like, what? Oh, so he was great. He was pretty great. <laughs> um, the other guy he mentions is Richard the Lionheart. Has anybody ever heard of Richard the Lionheart? As sort of this, like, Hannah? Who, who is he really? Who was he? Yeah. I did look that one up. Or, uh, so this, these, I actually, um, I mean, he mentioned these. I was like, I don't know that there's any others. Um, but they have these adjectives attached to their names. Right? Alexander the Great. I thought of this one, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. He's just a, he's a poo. That was a bad joke. But here's the thing. He said, one of the most important questions somebody can answer is what goes in that blank for you? So Brad the blank, Jacob the blank, Cassie the blank, Nora the blank. What goes in that blank for you? What's the first thing that you think of about yourself? And here's the thing. This is a big deal because what we think should fill in that blank determines Whether or not we're ready to step up in our life, I feel like. Because you guys, this is more than about mere positive thinking I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about positive thinking and good thoughts. But although this does, I am talking about your attitude about yourself. Because this shapes our identity. There's a huge difference between thinking you're Ryan, the varsity basketball player, versus I'm Ryan, who's not ready to step up to that level yet. Or there's a difference between thinking I'm Sarah, the freshman Bible study leader, Versus, I'm Sarah, the girl who doesn't know enough. There's a huge difference there. Who you think you are impacts everything about your attitude and about your behaviors. It just does. It starts to filter down into who you are. Now, again, you can fake it for moments at certain times. But who you think you are impacts everything. And your attitude is everything. And so this is the position I think that Joshua probably finds himself in. Because it's a, it appears... As we begin to look into the the book of Joshua, as we will in a second, that Joshua starts to do what we all do when we're not sure about God's plans for our lives. Joshua starts to do what many of us do when life throws opportunities our way. He begins to focus not on who he is, but on who he's not. Probably begins to focus more on his inadequacies. He's saying, God, I'm not Moses. I'm not a great leader. I'm not a miracle worker. I'm not a military general. God, I'm not that old. I'm not that smart. I'm not that holy. I'm not that good. Does that sound familiar? Because again, for many of us, we're so familiar with those type of things. Like, that's just what, in high school, we so badly, like, we look at other people and we're like, that person has it together. That person has it all, but I, I just don't. And so, so many athletes tell themselves how they're not as good or as fast or as successful as somebody else on the team. We do this with all kinds of stuff, uh, with your grades, with your acting ability, with your musical ability, with any other talent, your speech ability, how you do in forensics, how you do with, I don't know, volleyball, swimming, soccer, whatever your sport is, that I bet most of the time with all those things, we spend way more time thinking about what we're not and what we can't do rather than what we can do. Now, there's some of us, or maybe know people, who they're not that way at all, but they have another problem, right? They're just really, really arrogant, and they're sort of way too proud, and they, they just talk about how they're awesome all the time, but that's sort of a different set of issues. Now, the truth is, I bet most of us aren't sure how we would answer the question, who am I? We know what we want to go in that blank, but we don't really know, like, what is the, what is the first thing that would, somebody else would say when I come to mind? Most often, we train ourselves only to see what we're not, and as long as that's true, we hold ourselves back, we, we probably won't step up when a great opportunity or a decision comes our way, um, and we hold ourselves back from from who God created us to be and who he wants us to be. So when we don't know how to fill in the blank, it always results in a few negative side effects. So I have three things here I going to talk about. We compare, we compensate, and we cower. So first, we compare. When you become aware of how you rank next to other people, eventually all you can see is how much you don't measure up to them, right? We fall into the comparison trap, And so you're not sure who you are, and so you start looking to your right and to your left, and we compare ourselves, and what do we feel? We feel insecure, we feel jealous, and we get discouraged. Sometimes we get bitter, sometimes we just get angry about who we are. Like, God, why did you give me this kind of life? God, I feel awkward. Why do I still feel awkward? Why am I awkward socially or whatever? But we compare. That's like the biggest one, right? But secondly, at times, we compensate. See, many times when we feel like we're lacking in one area, you know, we work really hard to make ourselves look better elsewhere. Or in order to distract us from how we feel inadequate, we just make bad decisions. We, we start to, um, we start to s- sort of give up or sacrifice our integrity. We, we cross lines. We, comp- we compromise on our values in order to feel better about ourselves. Many of you probably have friends who have uh, maybe started smoking weed or started drinking or just partying a lot or they, they've gone too far sexually. They're unsure of who they are, and they think this stuff will help, right? Or it numbs the pain, or it just takes their mind off of it, or they feel loved, but that's a distraction from something else. And so, um, so many people get off track because they compensate when they can't answer the question of who they are. I talked to a guy who graduated from Oasis just three years ago last week. He was here. I love this guy. And he just goes, I'm so busy, and so I'm stressed, Brad. He goes, I started smoking again. Um, He goes, uh, he just looked me in the face. He said, I'm drinking a lot. And, I, and he was here. He took them off of work because he goes, I just need to come back to my roots. I, uh, I just need to slow down my pace. Is, and he's, he's three years into college. He's working 40 hours a week, 17 credit hours. Um, some of you, you're senior. Like, that's what college just brings craziness. Maybe you go, this doesn't compute right now, Brad. That's just not where I'm at. But in three years, um, try to remember this. Or number three, we can cower, right? We talked about this a lot last week. When you're unsure of who you are, insecurity begins to show, and so many of us, we just step back from what God has created us to be because we're, we're just plagued by fear. We're just, we're afraid of what could happen, of what people might think, of what they uh, might say, and so we get just riddled with fear that we don't have what it takes. So basic as this question sounds, who am I? It's a huge deal for us as we're navigating one of the, one of the most important phases of our lives as We're teenagers as we're in this adolescent stage. Now, God knew Joshua's struggle, and again, Joshua was not a teenager any longer, and so maybe I don't want to play up this too much in the 10, Joshua, what Joshua was actually going through, but what does God do? As we turn the page into Joshua, God gives Joshua a pep talk, like, just like your track coach does, right? A locker room, in your face, high five and pep talk, and just tells him, like, what it is. Now, this is way more than a pep talk, but I want you to hear what God says, because I all think we need, to, we need to hear this. This is an amazing passage. Remember in college, we, like me and my guy, we tried to memorize much of Joshua 1. Um, so again, if you have a Bible open or your app, turn to Joshua 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. So it says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So eventually here, did you notice this? God starts to repeat himself a little bit. He starts to repeat a phrase, right? You've all caught it. He says, be strong and courageous. Like, why do you think God thought he needed to repeat himself three times as he's talking to Joshua? I think it's because it was so, so important that Joshua got this. It was so important. Joshua sort of has this, like, God, I need you to fill me up. I need encouragement. I'm taking the baton from Moses. God, I need to know you have my back. And so while Joshua wasn't focused on who he wasn't, God spoke into who he could be. He said, Joshua, you can be a strong and courageous leader. He doesn't try to give Joshua just, he doesn't try to give him a big head. He doesn't just tell him, like, you're awesome. Like, go out there and lead. Like, you know, you're this proud, arrogant guy. As a foundation of his encouragement to Joshua, he grounds it in his promises to Israel. I mean, more than once here, he refers back and says, I'm giving you this land, but I promise this all the way back in Genesis 13 and Genesis 15. This is the land I gave to Moses, or, or to Abraham, the, the covenant I made with Abraham. Even back in Deuteronomy 34, he uses language like, uh, I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I swore in Joshua 1, verse 6, I will lead you... I will lead these people to inherit the land that what I swore to their ancestors, I would give to them. Do you think God breaks his promises? So he grounds them in the promises of Scripture. Guys, when you feel discouraged, when you need to be encouraged, whatever, look at the promises of Scripture. And again, God did not promise you that you were going to inherit the land of the Canaanites. We're in the 21st century. There's some that are like, this was conditional to the Israelites. But you look at the New Testament, you look at what Jesus promises us. And suddenly we have this whole like book of stuff that we just, the stuff Hannah prayed over us tonight. But that's At times we just need that. You need to read that and go, God promises this to me. So God says, Be strong and courageous. Why? For the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go, Joshua, that's a promise. As if he's saying to Joshua, Joshua, you can, you can so easily focus on who you're not, but you're forgetting who I am. And so he's saying, Joshua, I I'm the God Almighty, the creator of everything on the earth. I'm strong, I'm able, I'm mighty to save, I'm good, I'm loving, I'm powerful, I'm just. You are not Joshua the scared, you're not Joshua the timid, you're not Joshua the young. You are Joshua the courageous, the strong and courageous, because he says, I'm with you. Joshua, I've got your back, and so go lead like it. And so you guys, as we look at this tonight, I want you to see, this is what God says to Joshua essentially on his first day on the job as, as leader of Israel. And so who Joshua was didn't even matter in light of who God was or who God is. I'm going to put it like this. Who God is, is more than enough for who you are. Who God is, is more than enough for who you are. It's like he's saying, like, so Steve preached on this on Sunday. Um, this is right before chapter six. This is this isn't even in my notes. This, this like, uh, angel sort of figure comes and stands before Joshua right before they go into engage Jericho. And uh, it's apparent that this is probably like an incarnate Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Um, probably because Mo, or Joshua bows down to him and he doesn't, you know, if an angel was there, an angel would say, no, don't worship me, I'm not God. But this guy doesn't do that. And Joshua says to him, um, basically, whose, whose side are you on? Are you for us or for our enemies? And this, this Jesus angel th- says, neither. Like, in Hebrew, he just says, no. Hey, are you for us or for our enemies? And he's like, mm-mm. He, essentially, he's saying, wrong question. Like, you shouldn't even be asking me the questions. Essentially, he's saying, uh, whose side are you on? Like, don't even worry so much. Sometimes we go, God, give me, give me, give me, and give me direction, and give me insight. At times, we need to get ourselves, like, outside of the picture and go, God, I'm going to stop, focus on me for a second. I want to... like, who are you? And I just need to dwell on you. God, I want to be close to you. I mean, like the lyrics we just sang, God, you're my my only focus. You're my one devotion. God, I just want more of you. And so who he is is more than enough for who we are. Um, Here's the deal. God wants to do for you what he did for Joshua. He wants to fill in the blank for you. I think he really does. And again, that doesn't mean there's times where we're not going to be scared or like, you know, we just go, I'm just timid right now. I go, I, you know, when I was in your shoes, I go, God, I'm just an introverted person. Like strong and courageous. I'm just a shy dude. And some of you are like, that's me. That's my personality. Like, I don't know that God wants you to be anything other than who you are. But again, there's times I'm just saying that you go, maybe I need to consider this. I, I, maybe I need to step up and lead here. And maybe it's, again, it's not even right now in high school. As you get into college, as you think about your career, how can you lead in this very, very dark world? And so your name is not Sarah the Insecure or Jared the Mediocre or Anna the Average. God says you, no, you are strong and courageous. Whatever your name is, whatever you feel like is in that blank, you can be strong and courageous. And so my main point tonight, I sort of altered this a little bit, is this. But who, who God is matters more than who you're not. Who God is matters more than who you're not. We just need to to take our focus off ourselves and stop comparing. Some of that just comes with being humble that I go, it's just not even about me, God. Help me to focus on you and others. So would you be willing to let God fill in the blank for you? Would you be willing to believe that you are strong and courageous when it comes to living out your faith at school or for I don't know, taking some next step to believe that you're strong and courageous when it comes to your friends or when it comes to what's going on at home in your home life. Um, Whatever it is, decide to believe. Decide to see yourself as God sees you. Who God is matters more than who you're not. Now, here's one final thing. As you head to small groups tonight, I want you to think about what what it cost God to make you his own. What did it cost God to save you if you're a Christian? And again, maybe you're tonight and you're like, maybe you're not a Christian and so that doesn't make sense to you. Um, there's probably things, you know, I, th- I feel like I love that new song that we sang tonight. Eli's going to introduce that in the next couple of weeks more. I know to non-Christians, I feel like just the term sinner, like the fact that we would call ourselves sinners is offensive to some people. You go like, I'm not that bad of a person. But there's sort of the, we believe that everybody's fallen, that we have a sin nature. And so it's not like we're beating ourselves up. We just recognize the brokenness in this world. And so we're sinful. Part of the problem in this world is me. Like, I'm sinful, and we're all sinful. But what did it cost your God? See, there's plenty of people out there, maybe you have friends that go, um, they just maybe they, they, they can't stand the idea of judgment or God sending anyone to hell or people paying the price for sin. I go, if that's the case, like, what did it cost your God to die for you? And Some people go, it didn't cost him anything. Like, he just loves everybody. And I would go, well then actually, my God's more loving than your God and it, because it, it cost him something. That he gave up his son. That he, he, it, he took sin seriously enough. The fact that the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That he let his son suffer and die for me. For, for my sin. For your sin. In our place. That I don't have to face the death penalty that my sin deserves because Jesus took that for me. It actually cost my God something. So again, that's fine, but frankly, like, you know, you could, I don't know, you, don't, you maybe don't want to say that to them. Frankly, my God's more, like, it actually, he sacrificed something. You know, you, you start to say, there's really, you guys, not anything, there's really nothing so amazing about grace if we don't realize that we're, we're really sinful and that our sin is offensive to a just and holy God. And there's, sin demands a payment. I mean, so often we say, God died for our sins and rose again. But I think deep down, we don't mention that the wages of sin is death. And people sort of go, that's really nice of Jesus. Like, that was really kind of him. Good for him. And, um, and I guess that's how it affects me. No, it affects us because otherwise we're dead in our sins and our trespasses, the Bible says. So what did it cost you? Just think about Jesus. Think about what that, you know, in two weeks as we start to think about Easter, we're gonna, on a Wednesday night, we're going to talk about the crucifixion a little bit more. Um, but Jesus was willing to take that for you even though he was 100% innocent. He was the one guy on the earth that whoever lived that that didn't deserve any of that, and he took for us. Um, Why did he take it for us so that we could step step up? So that at some point, we could step up and lead and follow his plan for our lives. Um, So leaders, tonight, as we get to groups, I'd love for you to get to the two final questions on the talk sheet. There's like a passage in Hebrews that I'd love for you to read, and I'm saving that just for small groups tonight. Um, So let's pray, and we'll go to groups. Father, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the story of Joshua, and the words that you speak into him. God, so so often, at least for me, I remember high school. God, I lacked confidence. And God, sometimes we can get proud in But God, I feel like there's a fine line between pride and confidence. And God, you want us to be confident in who we are. God, some of us we just we struggle with our self worth and our self esteem. We struggle with depression. God, people maybe make fun of us. God, we we just face this pressure as high school students to stand out, to step up, to be popular, to be in the cool crowd, to be athletic. God, you made us just the way we are. But God, you speak truth into our lives. I think you would say to us like you'd say to Joshua, be strong and courageous. You'd probably say to us, look into your word. God, you want us to know the promises you've made to us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. God, you want to be our friend. You want to be close to us. And so, God, what can man do to me if my eternity is secure, if, I, if you have my back, if you're with me? So, God, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the sacrifice you took. Thank you for being a God loving enough that it cost you something. That you sent your son to die, not just because it was a cool thing, but because our sin deserves death but you took that for us. God, how great you are. God, we need grace so badly, and we thank you for it. So God, tonight, help us to step up as we move into the future and lead and be the kind of people you want us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.